Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Everyone, to RB1 Cold of Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by SB Nation, part of Fake Teams Podcast Network, episode 111. I am the conductor of the Devin Funches hype train and your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined by all of the guys on this momentous occasion. We have DK Metcalf's number one admirer and independent drinker, Clark Barnes. El Sabatura! And the working girl, Jordan Smith. And the biggest 49ers fan and ginger woodsman, Nick underscore underscore something you won't remember. Guys, how are we doing? How was everyone's weekend? It's great, Pete. Pretty good. It was a magical weekend of sports, if you count last night. That is true. Oh, yeah, because because the, the Clippers came back from a 31-point deficit to take the Warriors out the brunch. That is glorious. Were you, were you, are you referring to also this weekend... Um, Tiger Woods' Masters win? win? Yes. I I, um, I was surprised because I wasn't really following the Masters. And then I remember seeing at one point, like on a Chiron, like, oh, Tiger's tied for 10th. This was like on Friday or something. I was like, cool. He's tied for 10th. He's in the hunt. That's about where he usually is. And then Saturday, I was like, oh, Tiger's in fourth. And I got really excited. And then Sunday it happened. Something happened. How do how do people feel about the whole Jordan? You said you were excited. I uh, I understand the the comeback acts aspect that Tiger had. Obviously, he had like multiple back surgeries, and people were not even sure if he was ever going to be able to play golf at a high level again. And so, like, it's a huge accomplishment to be able to come back from that and win a Masters. I also just want to say that, like, feel like through all of this hullabaloo about it. The, the the cheating on his wife with multiple women and a couple DUIs is kind of getting swept under the rug. Like Pete, I'm on board with, with what you're saying. Let's also not forget that like Tiger, uh, the reason he kind of had a falling from grace was kind of his own doing. He ruined his family's life. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> it is his own doing and he's definitely a D bag for doing all of that stuff. But I mean, there are, athletes and public figures that do a lot worse things that get back into our good graces by winning so i think that uh, it is yeah it's more fun when tiger is doing well because he captivated a country with i don't know just a not a very fun sport but when tiger starts to win like Tiger Twitter goes crazy. Tiger it's Twitter fun. does go. I and maybe it's just because he's uh, Tiger's been you know in and out of like actual good golf for forever. I did not realize that Tiger Twitter was such a thing. Like, good God, my whole feed was just filled with people being like, "Oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever witnessed." Oh my God, Tiger's gonna do it. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I was like, "Wow, who knew that the world was filled with so many golf lovers out there?" 
people who were old enough to remember when Tiger Woods first started onto the scene. This is what Tiger Woods has done to golf for 20 years. It's true. And that's why it's interesting. On the whole family stuff, uh, the media really loves to crucify people for things that are not our business and then talk about uh, things like that. So people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, all that. Uh, good golfer, and I like golf. So it's more interesting when Tiger is good for golf. I mean, yeah. yeah I, you like? Oh, go ahead, Nicholas. Well, I mean, yeah, he's, he's obviously a phenomenal golfer, and it's, it's fun to watch him there. I, I, I do get confused by the uh, – um, the, frequency with which the comeback narrative is is put forth and is like sort of part of the the viewing experience just given Pete what you were saying earlier about like what he's coming back from but I don't really have a dog in this fight so I I don't ultimately care yeah no I just the the physical aspect of it I totally respect like he overcame a, a lot physically in order to be able to play golf again just uh, let's not forget what else he overcame because he Kind of I am all for not deifying people, so we're yeah. on the same page there. Yeah, uh, I knew I knew I could get at least at least you, Clark, on board with the deification of athletes, yeah. except for Russell Wilson. Except for Russell Wilson. Oh my goodness! Now, Clark, uh, I know you can't see my notes, but God damn it, if that wasn't a perfect transition into NFL news, and then it's time for our NFL mock draft. And before we get into that, let's quickly talk about. Monsieur Russell Wilson, uh, whose self-imposed deadline worked to perfection. He got a new deal with the Seattle Seahawks. Four years, $140 million, $65 million guarantee. Nicholas, your thoughts on this deal as an avid 49ers fan? Uh, I, I mean, as I said on Twitter, it'll be fun to uh, watch him help establish the run. Uh, I, I don't get it, man. I, I, I really don't. Pete Carroll is... Is, is vocal about not wanting to ever depend on a quarterback yet his offense relies on them running into the ground for two downs and then having him bail them out. I I'm, I'm sort of disappointed that we won't get to see him in an offense where the guy has a real shot to throw for, you know, 5,000 yards and back to back season. I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know why they kept him because they're not going to use him. Um, but as a Niners fan, uh, yeah, I know. I think it'll make for some exciting games. Do we that fan, that red, that red and gold is just pulsating through Nick's veins. Yeah. You hear it in the in the tone of his voice. Jordan, what do you think? Um, I was just going to ask: Do we think Pete Carroll, because um, he has so much success as a college head football coach, that this guy kind of wants to be the star of the show, no matter what? Like he doesn't want. Uh, a quarterback shine to be all over the place. If they win, it's because Pete Carroll schemed them to win. I, oh, I mean, I've very never much seen, on board with that. Yeah, I've never seen any indication of that other than everything that Pete Carroll does. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally all that he does. I think that's a very good point, Jordan. I, 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 I haven't heard anything about Pete Carroll other than he likes to chew gum a lot, like personality-wise. So right. that's, that's really all I know. He's done well, some very irritating new-agey stuff. So I don't, I don't like to pick on people's personal lives, but the whole new, uh, like not new sensitivity or like what Pete Carroll just seems like a real piece of work. Yeah, like the fact that he's a nine eleven truther. Oh, didn't know, but we're we're putting that on the list of things that I don't particularly <laughs> care for God, about Pete Carroll. Carroll. Uh, oh. Anyway, my take on the Russell Wilson thing is 
every team except for maybe two or three in the NFL would jump at the opportunity to do this. So I feel like the Seahawks just made a very good move and there was a lot of really silliness surrounding it. And I'm so glad that it all happened in between pods so that we could just talk about what a smart move it was for the Seahawks to pay Russell Wilson his money. I mean, it makes sense. I also want to give a quick shout out to Russell Wilson, who I hope has started the new trend of announcing a deal in the middle of the night while laying in bed shirtless. I think that is something that needs to be part of the athlete repertoire, where if we're announcing big deals, you should be doing it in different states of undress and uh, comfort. Antonio Brown announced that he wanted to get traded while working on an elliptical shirtless. Russell Wilson lying on bed with Ciara shirtless. Like I kind of think that this is now a new trend in athlete, you know, in kind of breaking news among the athletes. And I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I just want to thank Aaron or uh, Russell Wilson personally for making Aaron Rodgers' contract a discount already. <laughs> already. Appreciate discount. it, brother. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of money that that old Russ is getting. Now I knew and and Nick, I'm going to turn to you because I have not paid any attention to the details and and you're the only person who maybe did. Uh, I know Russell Wilson was trying to fight. One of the big things was trying to fight for like a contract that evolved with the current, with, with the CBA and with salary cap influx. Like were these things established or was it purely just a Russell Wilson got a shit ton of money for the, uh, for on a per year basis? Um, he got a shit ton of money. And uh, I think the, the big deal is that he, he got like the, the record setting, I believe it was record setting in, in guarantees. Um, but I'm hazy on that. Um, his whole thing since he entered the league was that he wants enough money to, um, to own a franchise one day, whether that's in football or baseball or, or whatever. And I, I think that him like going on Showtime's gambling show and talking about how, you know, the legalization of gambling um, the cap's going to explode and, and him talking about wanting to be part of a bigger media market and all this. And, you know, what I want an escalator for, for percentage cap is totally in line with the way that he and the Seahawks negotiated last time. They did it all very publicly and through the media. And I think at the end of the day, he just wanted, uh, like, like Richard Sherman did with Darrell Rivas, where they were in the media arguing over which one of them should be higher paid. And they only wanted $1 more than the other person. <laughs> I think that's kind of just, where he was at with this as long as he set the record. Cause he actually did take less than he probably could have argued for with the way that the cap is expected to uh, grow. He just wanted high guarantees. And I mean, I don't, I don't blame him with the way that we make him or the way that Seattle makes him play by just like forcing Sam lot football and putting his, his body at risk, like just get as high guarantees as possible and sign on the dotted line. Yeah. And I feel like a few players have taken big guarantees now in anticipation of the new CBA mm. not really knowing how that's going to turn out I think is probably influencing folks sticking to their guns uh, I'd much rather have 64 million birds in the hand than like 124 million in the bush as they say that is a saying that I have heard before it's not just a, a old person saying uh, let's move Thanks, on <laughs> Let's move on in the news. Uh, Demarius Thomas, it broke that his sign with the New England Patriots, which all but guarantees that I draft him uh, in like the 13th round, expecting something from him and ultimately getting nothing. Shocker. Jordan, what is your uh, feeling on this signing? Do you think that this gives Demarius Thomas any kind of fancy value or are we just going to see him get cut in the middle of preseason? I, I'm not falling for that Chris Hogan tra- <laughs> trap again. Um, 
But I guess if anybody can throw a catchable ball to Demarius Thomas, it's Tom Brady. And uh, we all know Demarius Thomas definitely needs a catchable ball thrown his way. Do we think he's just going to play tight end? No. Just like, no, okay. Like a big threat over the middle. No, I think he's, I think he would basically try to fill the exact Chris Hogan role, which is the guy who, who's not faster than anyone. We're he, talking about a role. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Because Hogan, wait, Hogan, Chris Hogan like, had a distinct role in New England, in which was let's scheme this guy open. Because somehow the guy was always open by like thirty yards, and would catch a forty-yard bomb and then stumble his way into the end zone untouched because Josh McDaniel. Like there is ninety percent of me that is like certain Demarius Thomas is going to get cut in the middle of preseason and will not make the Patriots final roster. 9.99999% of me thinks that he makes the final rush and then gets cut in week one. 0.00001% of me is like, ooh, Demarius Thomas back with Josh McDaniels. Maybe he's got a little bit of juice in the tank. Put him with Tom Brady. Now we're talking about a 500-yard performance with maybe six touchdowns. Sign me up for that. I don't know. If Demarius Thomas didn't play lacrosse, I don't know what he's going to do mm. in that offense. That's a very good point. That is a very good point. That is, that is a prerequisite for success in the Patriots offense under Bill Belichick. Final news bulletin. The Chargers, this is the probably the biggest news of the day. The Chargers are returning to what they should have done eons ago and are wearing their powder blue jerseys all year as their official home jersey, which is just the greatest thing that could ever have happened. Their powder blue jerseys are one of my top five NFL jerseys uh, of all time. I think they're just beautiful and gorgeous and belong in the NFL in a permanent standpoint. And now they finally have Clark. Uh, what is your level of excitement on this? Uh, I love these jerseys. Well, I think the chargers old jerseys, the bucks old jerseys and the old Oilers jerseys are kind of my favorite, you know, top of the mountain NFL jerseys. So Really don't care about the Chargers, but it's going to be nice uh, being able to see that while suffering through Dan Deardorff's call of the Chargers game this year. I think that they were uh, perusing social media and they saw a ton of social media posts that said Los Angeles should go back to their throwback uniforms. But nobody was talking about the Chargers. They want the Rams <laughs> to go back to their throwback colors. I like the, the Chargers baby blues like their powder blues are pretty cool. Um, I didn't really see anything wrong with their their navy blues too, though. I, I liked when they when they sprinkled in the powder blues for like special appearances. I just think I less. think the baby blues are. I think baby. It's it's first of all one of my favorite colors <laughs> in the world is baby blue. I just think it's a beautiful color and it's and it's visually stunning. And I just and it's and it's not a color that you see in a lot in professional sports. And so I feel like if you ever have a time to distinguish yourself by using a color palette that's unique. Why not go for it? It's what I'm trying to get the Patriots to go back to their old, like, bright red jerseys with the uh, blue and yellow sleeves, which are just beautiful with Pat the Patriot on the helmet. I mean, I know the Flying Elvis is basically ushered in the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick success, but let's go back to Pat the Patriot once Brady and Belichick retires and create a new era of, of Patriots football that reminds us back of the time when we used to suck. But uh, I'm – these powder blues are – are gorgeous, gorgeous. I think I think they might just be trying to create a a welcoming environment for Philip Rivers' forty fifth new child that he just also had true, season. who will inevitably be a boy because I don't think Philip Rivers shoots <laughs> female semen. I think he I think he only can produce 
it can produce men. Isn't that how it works? Isn't the isn't it whatever gender the sperm is? I, I believe biologically, yes. Cool, cool, cool. I'm cool. not a doctor though. That's what that's what I thought. <laughs> Clark, are you a doctor? Do you have thoughts? Are you a doctor? If we we can either talk about this or do the draft. <laughs> we have to choose now. We have a live uh, live listener interactions. Quick, choose your own adventure. Do you want to a hear about different kinds of semen or b NFL draft? C both. C <laughs> C a little bit. Okay, little. fine. Uh, the sex of the baby is determined by the woman's hormone levels during a crucial period of the baby's development. That's why we all have nipples and yada yada yada. There you go. This guy, Dr. Clark Barnes. See, boys, with with age comes useless facts. <laughs> I actually didn't know that about the nipples. That's why we do have nipples, because you're I think everyone starts off as a female. And then if you get a blast of uh, testosterone, you become male. I believe that's how it is. Nipple talk. Some good some good nipple talk there. Um, all right. Well, that's it for the NFL news. Covered our bases pretty well. And now it's time. For our 100% correct NFL mock draft, uh, the four of us have each taken one team from each division. We are going to run through the draft as is. We don't know. I don't know if there are going to be trades. I highly encourage everyone to. I have a couple trades tucked into my back pocket that maybe we'll make calls. We'll see what happens. Um, We have the very first overall pick goes to Clark and the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Clark, you are on the clock. Who do the Cardinals take first overall? I am first willing to take offers. Is your phone on silent or is it on? Yes, I'm a professional, Pete. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Hello. Mm-hmm. Oh, hi. This is John Gruden. <laughs> I'm calling from the Oakland Raiders. trying to see if we can move up to take your first overall pick. Give me your next year's first and you're in. Well, how about instead? No. Nope. You got you guys need a lot of a lot of picks. We'll give you fourth overall, twenty seventh overall, and the thirty fifth overall this year. No, nope. fine. We will give you our next overall pick, our next first overall pick. Okay. I'm John Gruden. I love this quarterback who I need to get, and I think that you are going to get him. Tough negotiator Steve Kime over there. Yeah. Um. <laughs> do we have a deal, Steve? We're yeah, we're we're good. You got number one. I got number four. That's fantastic, Steve. As the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, we select quarterback Kyler Murray. I just love the guy. I love the guy. I think he'll be great. He throws the ball so well. He runs really well. He plays baseball. Those are all things I love in my quarterback. I'm John Gruden. This isn't a great job by me, John Gruden. Wonderful, wonderful. What record? That's exactly what the Cardinals should do. It's 100% what the Cardinals should do. I will have to think. Clark, what was your plan had you not gotten a, a trade request? I'll wait because someone's going to mm. – I'll wait when he's picked. And I'll that's give good. you my sweet thing that I wrote and was kind of disappointed that you took me on my trade. <laughs> oh, I – No, it's good radio. All right. Uh, pick number two, of course, goes to the San Francisco 49ers. Only one man could correctly make the pick for this team. Nicholas <laughs> – who are the 49ers taking at number two overall? Uh, they're taking Quinn and Williams, um, which is a pretty easy pick. I thought about trying to uh, get a draft, uh, a, a pick swap, but the dude's just too good. He can play in any scheme. And in uh, in a year, they've got both 
had this Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner up for new contracts. So they're going to let one of them walk and sliding in a like sure thing Pro Bowl, if not better uh, defensive lineman who can, again, play any position on the line makes too much sense. You're not worried about the fact that you have Armstead, you have uh, Buckner and Solomon Thomas. Buckner and Solomon Thomas. Yeah, um, no, I mean you can you can never have as rival general manager John Schneider says you can never have too many pass rushers. And I mean, look at like what the Jets did a couple of years ago when they had uh, Wilkerson and and Sheldon Richardson and uh, still drafted Leonard Williams. Like for that time, you know they couldn't get the rest of the organization together. But like that line, having an embarrassment of riches on the defensive line is is awesome. Yeah, and if I couldn't get a trade partner at number one, my plan was to take. Quinn and Williams, a stat from NFL.com's Cynthia Freeland. Williams was double teamed at the highest rate in the SEC and still accounted for the most run stops and most pressures of any interior lineman. That's absurd. In the SEC. Not like the Pac-10. That's amazing. And so I like the idea of building on a strength. Uh, The Cardinals have Chandler Jones and Terrell Suggs in this season. Uh, so if you stay home at one, it, Josh Rosen had no chance last year. I like the idea of a uh, a coach coming in to fix one side of the ball with his scheme and using all of the organization's assets to fix the other side of the ball. Uh, but I think Quinnen Williams is just man amongst boys and going to go super early this year, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that seems very true. Jordan, you are our next pick, number three overall, the New York Jets. Who are they going to take? Well, I'm not going to overthink this too much. Uh, he's number one on my draft board, and he's going to be playing in our new, very terribly ugly jerseys. Uh, it's Nick Bosa. He's the most talented edge rusher in this draft. It's He's not a, a precise need for the New York Jets, but at this point in the draft, you got to go top person available, and I think... Uh, adding little Nicky Bosa in New York is going to be a fun time for them. I think this is a dream scenario for them. I think they need to get a pass rusher at the top of this draft because it's something a one-on-one winner has been something that they've been lacking for a long time. Like they've constantly had to scheme guys in order to get after the quarterback. They haven't had one someone in a long time who's been able to win consistently one-on-one matchups. And in a division where the only way you're going to beat Tom Brady is by sacking Tom Brady, I think getting someone with Nick Bosa's talent and Nick Bosa's already high floor is a perfect, is a dream scenario at three overall. Yeah. um, He'll make their expensive secondary look so much better than it actually is. Love it. Clark, you are now number four. Arizona Cardinals traded down to get another first next year from uh, John Gruden and his Oakland Raiders. What's what's the move? So I'm anxiously waiting by the phone to see if I can trade out of this spot again, if there are any takers who would like to pony up some nice draft capital here. And since it looks like no one is going to call, uh, so – Josh Rosen had no time to throw. Uh, I know I like to say that you build on a strength, and this year's draft class doesn't seem to have that absolute uh, unanimous left tackle, surefire, can't-miss player. But I'm still going to spend my pick here on Cody Ford, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Uh, Consistent starter, played really well, 
dominated, you know, not the strongest division in college football, but uh, can reportedly play a couple of positions. So uh, we're at the point in the Cardinals history right now where they have to get at least a base hit. So I'm not going to pick any of these edge rushers that need to develop or have question marks. I'm just going to take a solid offensive lineman and not get too greedy. I will say offensive tackle is, you're right. It, it's hitting a base hit. And if you want, uh, if you decide to trade out of the first round pick and that means you're going with Josh Rose and he is your guy, like put him in a better situation than he was in last year. Yeah. And you're, and you're hoping that, you know, with Cliff Kingsbury, you're able to scheme more for uh, David Johnson and for the weapons already in Arizona. And if you just, again, giving Josh Rosen more time in the pocket and giving David Johnson more room in the run game to actually make things happen. Uh, because Clark, did you know this? That two years ago when David Johnson missed an entire season, that it was his wrist that was injured, not his legs. I'm very excited about David Johnson this year. I'm already 100% sold on him and going to overdraft him again like I did last year. I'll Get- never, never not overdraft David Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Clark, you've back-to-back picks now that you've traded down. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at five. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not taking phone calls on this one. I'm excited to pick at number five. Uh, and it's going to be a pick I don't think people like very much. So Bruce Arians loves to get his quarterbacks killed. He likes to chuck it deep, seven-step drops. Uh, and, and the Bucks are set up for this with Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, and, and all of their receiving weapons. Uh, but they had the 20th-ranked offensive line, according to PFF, last year so. We're going to go back-to-back offensive linemen here, taking a bit more of a gamble from what I've read about these guys. I am not an offensive line guru. Uh, but we're going to pick up Jawan Taylor from Florida to see if we can keep uh, Win- Winston upright this year. Are we sure, Clark, is that really you? Or is this Jordan in Clark's body who is just drafted offensive <laughs> linemen? <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing all of these things, and I'm like, they're pretty good, except for, like, why were they so bad last year? And then you look up PFS ranks, you're like, I, every team I'm picking for had like bottom third <laughs> offensive line this year. And so now I'm competing with myself to go down the board of like, oh shit, I picked him in front of me. So now I gotta damn it. <laughs> damn you, Cardinals, for taking the offensive lineman we wanted. Uh yeah. I mean, I think I think again, if you can like we talked about with Cody Ford, you're plugging in an offensive lineman who's going to be able to do, you know, if they're able going to be able to succeed, that's a huge boost to uh to your offense and and Bruce Arians loves to chuck the ball downfield and you're right that the Buccaneers are really prepared for that and really built for that and you know I think that you can if you give Jameis Winston the time back there hopefully the quarterback whisperer can make him take that big step forward that we've all been waiting for him to do and with the weapons around him hopefully he will um and again you know we've seen with the Chiefs defense schmefense if you can put 50 up on a, a per game you'll win a lot of games so why not just try to score a bunch of points? Next pick in the draft, Nicholas chomping at the bit. Can't wait to get onto the cause. 49 as not the 49ers as the New York Giants, because God damn it. If the Giants don't need pass rush help and so many pass rushes have now slept and snuck down the board, Nicholas, but what are they going to do? What are the so Giants? Ultima- doing? Ultimately, I think it's just going to be whatever Mike Francis tells them to do, but um, I did not it's expect a at bold all draft strategy. Yeah. I did not expect Ed Oliver to to still be here um, at this pick, so I'm not thinking too hard about it, and I'm taking the next best defensive lineman in the draft. Um, 
he's he's going to get Aaron Donald comps um, because he, he's built similarly, but they obviously play a bit different. He's a lot more agile or, or plays in more of a finesse style than Aaron Donald does. But the dude, he's an explosive athlete. Um, both of his, his jump workouts uh, at the combine were, were stellar. And I'm like his, his shuttle time, everything he did, he's awesome. He's, he's a freak athlete. And uh, whatever, wherever you choose to line him up on any given down, he's going to get the job done. Also, I, I love the name Ed. Mm. It's a good name. It's a great name. That's a huge get for the Giants. For, for a team that has never really had elite defensive talent, or if they do, they love to get rid of them, looking at you, Landon Collins. Uh, putting, putting Ed Oliver in the middle of that defensive line is going to give them a dominant presence in the run game and an elite pass rusher in the passing game. And it's just going to make everything in the back end look so much prettier and so much better. Uh, and that's what you want. Yeah, Pete is a for listeners is a Patriots fan, and uh, Patriots fans all have amnesia about a couple of Super Bowls uh, where the Giants took their elite defensive line talent and bested the best quarterback on the planet. Um, mm, I PSA is over. I, yeah. I don't. I don't recall those. I don't recall those games. Look, mm. if, if Ed <laughs> Oliver falls to twelve for the Packers, my pants will be off. <laughs> Like, that's how much I love Ed Oliver. I have, like, I daydream about Ed Oliver dropping back into coverage and covering a running back because he can probably do it. That's how athletic he is. He is a freak of nature. Um, All right. I have the Jacksonville Jaguars at numero seven. uh, And and I didn't realize that Clark was going to start this trend, but I'm going to continue the trend. Jaguars have gotten their uh, their son of God quarterback, Super Bowl MVP, the guy who's going to lead them to the promised lands, and they've invested a lot of time and money in it. And I thought for a hot sec uh, about getting a quarterback here, um, but ultimately I don't think that they're going to do that because why invest in a spot that you've already invested so heavily? I think instead the Jaguars are going to sure up their offensive line and they're going to draft Jonah Williams, uh, offensive tackle out of – Oklahoma, I think. Not entirely sure. Yeah. Uh, Al, Al, is what? Bama. Bama. There it is. Uh, and just solidify that offensive line. Create space for Leonard Fournette. Give Nick Foles time in the pocket to throw to none of the weapons that they have. And uh, and there you go. Uh, I, I really don't like that as a Texans fan, that uh, all of the offensive linemen are going off the board <laughs> way higher than a lot of people are mocking them. Uh, yeah, but the Jaguars could do a lot worse than shoring up the offensive line. Uh, they're going to want to run, even though they have Nick Foles. So why not put some money there? To uh, even to, though they have Nick Foles, um, and I will say, I will say uh, that I want to reiterate that this is a hundred percent correct mock draft. So oh, this yeah. is this is what's going to happen. So you don't even need to bother to watch the NFL draft. There will be three offensive linemen taken in the top 10. We nailed it last year. I did. I did running backs for all my teams and who was right. And who was right. There was a lot of running backs taken last year. That's fair. One of the best defensive drafts we've had in a couple of years. We have three offensive tackles off the board within the first seven picks. Let's keep going. (laughs) We're ahead of the game. Let's keep rolling, baby. So we're picking all these linemen to combat them. Hmm. Um, at number eight, Detroit Lions, I have them. Now, initially, when uh, when when I was running through my notes, I had like only for five of the teams or like three of the teams I'm drafting, I had names that I had written in there uh, because I was like, all right, I'm just certain if 
this guy's not going to be taken at this point, so I'm going to take him anyways. I have that for the Lions. However, I'm going to have to cross this name off the list. This is not who we're going with. The Lions instead, because he's still on the board, Lions are going to go draft Josh Allen, the hyper-athletic linebacker out of Kentucky who's going to do it all in Matt Patricia's offense, uh, defense. He is going to be their Jamie Collins. Patricia knows how to use a linebacker like that. He's going to rush. He's going to drop in coverage. He's going to cover tight ends and running backs and the whole nine yards. Uh, he's going to be the do-it-all guy for Detroit's uh, for Detroit's defense and and hopefully try to get that defense solidified and put it back on a map. Look, my my pants are back on now. Um, <laughs> I hate this for the Detroit Lions because Josh Allen is awesome. He is a great athletic edge. I think he played like wide receiver in high school or something like that. Um, he's number two on my big board. I was really shocked that he fell all the way this far to the Lions. And if he does fall that far and on draft day, I'll be extremely upset. I don't even care who the Packers would draft after that. Even if it's at Oliver? Well, if it's at Oliver, the pants are back off. <laughs> the pants are at your knees then. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep uh, the belt loose. Perfect. Yeah, I think it's a sick pick. He's really good. He's really good. I'm loving this pick if I'm the Detroit Lions. Uh, number nine, Buffalo Bills. Clark, this is you yet again. The run on offensive linemen has really messed up my strategy. <laughs> has scorched the Bills' strategy. <laughs> uh, so we're going to have some fun. Speaking of Josh Allen, Bills are trying to build around him while their coach is actually doing a fantastic job on the defensive side of the ball. McDermott, I believe his name is. Uh, so we're going to have some fun. We're going to get a giant streaky tight end target for Josh Allen, and we're going to go ahead and make TJ Hawkinson a top 10 pick here for the Bills. That's, that's, a, that's That was the guy who I had penciled in for the Lions as someone who I just think would be perfect for Matty Stafford. Couldn't pass on Josh Allen, but he's going to be great. He would be amazing in Buffalo. He would instantly give Josh Allen a number one weapon in the passing game as well as help solidify that run game for, I mean, I don't want to, I don't feel like I'm like really making too bold of a statement or too much of a hot take, but I feel like the Buffalo Bills with their running back court uh, duo of LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore. I mean, guys, you can't argue with that kind of veteran leadership there. That could be easily the, the, the best, most explosive running back group in the NFL has ever seen. Yeah. I actually really like it. If there aren't a whole lot of uh, offensive tackle opportunities, I think TJ Hawkinson should be the, the top skill guy off the board. I mean, DK Metcalf is good. Marquise Brown is fast. Josh Jacobs is like the only running back who might be worth a first round draft pick, but DJ Hawkinson is the best offensive weapon out of all of them. Yeah. Denver Broncos at number 10, Jordan. What's Sean Elway going? What does he have up his sleeve? I'm supposed to draft like I would draft, right? I'm not drafting like John Elway would draft. No, you, I mean, yeah, you're supposed to – you are in charge of the Denver Broncos. Well, I mean, you're supposed to make the right pick. This is the right – Right, this draft. is the right, right. Yeah. yeah, this is the 100% correct NFL mock draft. And if you're the one who takes that down, Jordan, I don't know if you'll be able to be allowed back on the podcast. So there's a lot at stake here. All right, you know what? I hate this because uh, this is somebody that I would want for Green Bay, but I'm going to draft Devin White out of LSU. Um, he's a – Sideline to sideline linebacker for um, Denver. Not even in, I have a list of top five needs for the Denver Broncos, but <laughs> inside linebacker is not one of those needs. Um, I just think Devin White is the best 
player on the va- on the board at this point, and he can um, he can help take care of some of those tricky uh, tricky players in Kansas City coming out of the backfield and uh, Sandy or San Diego I already did it. Um, the Chargers got a few running backs that can come out of the backfield as well. I was very high on Roquan Smith last year because of his coverage ability. Devin White can do the same thing. I also think that that the Broncos love to build the defense. That for for whatever reason, that's going to always be their focus, or it seems to be. And they love taking guys who are very talented, who've maybe slipped a little bit. I've seen Devin White, you know, mocked as early as five to the Buccaneers. And so if he kind of falls into the Broncos' lap, just like with how Bradley Chubb did last year. I could easily see them doing a similar scenario where they're just like, let's continue to make this defense the focal point of the team. And we're just going to use Patrick Lindsay to, or Philip Lindsay, excuse me, use Philip Lindsay to, to run the football and keep the offense somewhat on check with Joe in the backfield. All right, before we get to the rest of the NFL draft, and we'll try to speed things up a little bit. Uh, let's first take an ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. I hope that you listen to all of those stupendous podcasts that uh, that were just advertised here because um, every time you do, mm, we get paid. And Clark needs his paper. That's right. I got to retire soon, boys. Can't keep this up. Can't keep this up all the time. At number 11, the Cincinnati Bengals are freaking excited right now. As Jordan would like to say, their pants are all the way off, down around their ankles. Uh, They're running this in, and they are taking Dwayne Haskins. Easy pick. Uh, Andy Dalton is garbage. We all know it. We've known it for a long time. They need someone in there who's going to be at least give them something from the quarterback position. Dwayne Haskins can do that. I think he's going to plug in very nicely with Zach Taylor, who is the quarterback's coach for the uh, Rams and is now the head coach there in Cincinnati. Get him his guy. I have no idea if it actually is his guy, but I'm just projecting here. Uh, Quarterback for the future. Bengals are ecstatic. Cincinnati is ecstatic. Let's go. A little hometown hero there. Ooh, yes. Home state, state, I should say. Well done. Well done. Yes. That's also something I totally knew about and planned. I like the idea of this pick falling to them and not having to force it. That seems Mm -hmm. to work out okay. Uh, Andy Dalton is good enough to start for a year while homeboy gets a little experience in the NFL. And uh, yeah, Haskins. There we go. Nailed it. It was, a, it was a Haskins. seamless it was a seamless name forget though a seamless like response replacement homeboy it worked well uh Jordan pick number 12 the Green Bay Packers your Green Bay Packers you've already alluded to many people who you wish 
they could take it here, but who are they actually selecting? Well, once you get out of the top eight, I feel like it's very hard to tell that these guys are going to be studs. So I'm going to use uh, some phrasing from one of my favorite shows, Billions, that I am not uncertain that this guy will be a star NFL player, and it's Montez Sweat. Um, out of Mississippi State, edge rusher, uh, guy just tested off the freaking charts. Uh, he knows how to get off the after the quarterback, and the Packers just signed two edge rushers in free agency, so he doesn't have to come in right away and do something special. He can come in pitcherly for a couple of downs, uh, really learn behind some veteran guys, and uh, hopefully do some fun, tricky things in Penn's defense. I like that a lot. Me too. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, from a fantasy perspective, there's been one pick that the Packers that I've been trying to speak into existence for the Green Bay Packers. We'll talk about it when he gets drafted, but that would have I would have loved for him to have landed there. But Jordan, you crushed my hopes and dreams. Hey, we have another first round pick left. So. Maybe maybe he'll be there available at thirty. Nicholas! The Miami Dolphins, who are trying to uh, gracefully tank and get themselves a quarterback next year, they're going to take a quarterback this year? Uh, no, they're not. They're going to continue to build through the trenches. Um, I think that they're with, with their full-on tanking, not tanking um, game plan, they're going to want to have sort of the table set for when they bring a new quarterback in. Um, and so I'm going to go with Andre Dillard. And I'm doing that because of something that we've talked about before. Uh, he's a offensive tackle out of Washington State. Um, I'm doing that because of something that we've talked about before that Josh Norris of Roto World highlighted, and that's the success rate of offensive linemen who test a 4-4-4 short shuttle or better. He's one of the few guys who beat that this year with a 4-4 flat in the short shuttle. And so with that kind of uh, it's he, it was something like three quarters of the players, offensive linemen who hit that number are basically just successful in the NFL. Um, so I think for a rebuilding team, a near surefire offensive lineman outside of the top 10 is uh, the way to go. Clark is sweating profusely right now as the, picker, as the picker for the Houston Texans and is desperately trying to figure out what offensive lineman is going to fall to them. I actually had another plan for the Texans. Oh, my next three picks that I have to make. <laughs> We're now scrambling. This is all your fault, too, for starting the run of an offensive lineman at pick number four. You have no one to blame but yourself, Clark. I I love the Andre Dillard pick in part because he has the most pass blocking, uh, pass blocking attempts, whatever you want to call it, out of any of the other tackles in this draft by like a country mile. So he has the reps. Yeah. He could plug in and, and knows how to stop a, a pass rusher. Jordan, you're picking number 14 for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, who are they selecting? Oh man, I'm I am on edge right now. Um, I was so are, so are all of our listeners. Um, you know what? I, I'm just gonna keep on following my my draft board with uh, who these guys are ranked at. I'm going with Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. Um, he's one of the top defensive tackles who showed some burst getting after the quarterback. Um, again, this is a draft that's pretty heavy and guys that can just get after the quarterback overall, whether they play inside or outside. Um, and I think that's what the Falcons need because they just, I mean, Vic Beasley was fine once, but he hasn't been that great since. And, um, yeah, uh, 
just go with the best player available at Atlanta. I like Gary a lot in Atlanta because he can play inside and outside on the defensive line. He has that versatility. And I think he pairs really nicely with Grady Jarrett. Um, but also since Grady Jarrett is on the franchise tag, gives you a little bit of insurance if you're not able to sign him to a long-term deal. Yeah. Pick number 15, Clerk Burns, the Washington Red Tails. Who are they going to select? Uh, since we are properly predicting what's going to happen, I feel completely obliged to pick DK Metcalf here to the Washington Breadsticks if I can steal Jordan's uh, moniker. Moniker, yes. yes. Uh <laughs> I love DK Metcalf. I feel like I said that when people were talking about him being a late first round pick and he has since become a, you know, top 10 pick. Uh, and I feel like that's a little, oh boy, it's getting a little expensive, but I don't think anything would be more Washington than stubbornly passing on a quarterback here and picking a giant one dimensional wide receiver. I love it. I love it. Who's even their quarterback? Oh, it's it's Case Keenum. Case yes, Keenum oh my God, right now. me up for that 100%. I like DK Metcalf. Uh, he didn't test very well after he blew everybody's doors off at the combine in terms of like the uh, short area quickness, but he rectified that at his pro day. So I think he'll be fine as long as he can keep carrying his weight well. Pick cool. number 16, Carolina Panthers. Nicolas, who are you taking? In, uh... Uh, staying with tradition of uh, trenches only players, um, going uh, tackle Cody Ford at Oklahoma. Um, Cody Ford at Oklahoma, buddy, went fourth overall to the Arizona Cardinals. What is oh, our? The whole time I was just hoping that I I know I'm going to do this a lot. I just didn't want to be first. Well, we're I'm just replicating the first one. We're, we're replicating the fiasco that we were talking about before we started recording with the Ravens not being able to get a pick in. This is what Nick is just calling. He's calling that the Panthers are going to get in a pick that has already been taken. And then it's just going to be all hell breaks loose. Okay. So, so recovering quickly and moving on, it was either going to be tackle or, or uh, d- uh, defensive line. Cause they basically can't get after the quarterback. Now that uh, uh, Julius Peppers has retired, uh, they brought in Bruce Irvin and I love Bruce Irvin, but he's not going to be there long-term solution uh and so they're going to punt on uh keeping cam newton upright this year and improve the edge rush with six foot five brian burns head rusher out of florida state um he's an immediate impact player he has above average athleticism and although people have been uh frightened i guess about whether or not he's going to be able to bend he's an athletic freak and at six foot five it, there there's no worry there He's a little light, only walking around at uh, about at 250 at that height. But uh, I, I think this dude's going to be able to rush the passer, passer at a high level in the NFL. I would love that pick if I was a Panthers fan. Uh, I forgot that he was even had even fallen this far. In my latest mock, I had a mock number two to the 49ers. I think he has immense upside as a pass rusher. And like you said, he's huge. He's like freakishly twitchy. Um, and I, and while his bend isn't great, that's something you can obviously work on, but he can get off the line like a cannon, like Von Miller level of, of, of kind of quickness and, and release. And so I think with that size and, and his quick twitch, I think he's going to be able to come in and day one be an immediate impact on the pass rushing game. And then once he develops even more, he could just become a dominant force that that deep, deep you know, teams can't even stop. 
I believe you put on some more weight uh, more recently to get up to a, a better size. So I guess it's just a matter of seeing if he can still be as explosive with his, his new ad- added weight. And right. From, from what I saw, his, his combine weight was 249. Yeah, and I think he bumped up to like 255, maybe. Okay. I want to say. Or maybe it, was, maybe it was the difference of going from 230 where he was in college to, to the 249 that, was pe- that people were talking about. I think that might have been it, actually. I, I think, think that might have like been it, too. Yeah, because he was real light in college. Uh, Nicholas, you have back-to-back picks. Number 17, the New York Giants, who they got for trading uh, Odell Beckham to the Cleveland Browns. Dare they take a wide receiver here? They dare not. They are taking, I don't remember which one is taken, but they're taking the other Devin linebacker. Devin Bush. There you go. Yeah, I mean, their whole front seven needs to be revamped and bringing in Ed Oliver and Devin Bush is going to be it like immediately upgrading the front seven. Uh, they are confident in Eli, so they're passing on on Drew Locke um, and waiting until next year. That uh, that draft right there, if they land that draft, Ed Oliver and Devin Bush, that has I could easily see a impact level of um, Darius Leonard last year for the Colts and uh, Quentin Nelson, just the impact that they had, or even with the uh, Browns where you grade both defense, where you have uh, Miles Garrett and uh, who was the corner that they drafted too? Not in the same draft. Yeah, I thought they were. I thought he took, they took Miles Garrett first. Oh no, they took uh, Baker Mayfield first and then took, uh, ah. Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward. That's who I was thinking. Anyways, my point basically being, that's a huge defensive changing draft for the Giants if they hit on both of those. Uh, so I like it. The Giants got an A grade already. I, yeah, I think that's a, that's a that's a they huge win right there. Picks. Oh, big boy, big boy draft right there for the Giants uh, after Thanks, making guys. horrible decisions in free agency. Minnesota Vikings at number eighteen. Clark, what are the Vikings going to do? I <laughs> all the offensive linemen are gone, <laughs> and what what the Vikings need is offensive line help. So why not pick? Uh, Giant of a man in Christian Wilkinson, defensive tackle out of Clemson, uh, building on a strength. Hopefully, Kirk Cousins can uh, get the ball out a little faster because uh, all the all the good tackles have been, or all the first round tackles have been drafted. I like it because the Vikings uh, they re-signed Anthony Barr in free agency, but they definitely lost a lot of depth on uh, on both sides of the ball. So just really starting anywhere adding additional pieces will be a good look for them. I think that's, that's a nice, a nice get to add to that uh, defensive line. Jordan, you're pick number 19, the Tennessee Titans. Who are you taking? Um, let me see here. The Tennessee Titans, they kind of need a lot of help in more subtle ways. So I'm going to go with, actually, no, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with my best player available option. I'm going to go with Greedy Williams out of LSU. Um, I like him as a long uh, defensive back. I don't think Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan are necessarily going to be the the players that they need them to be down the road. Um, they already have a pretty decent pass rush. So, yeah, I'm going to just, just draft them some defensive backs because that's uh, one position that the Patriots like to go all in on. And I think Tennessee is the Southern – or trying to be the Southern Patriots right now. That's very true. Uh, you also have pick number 20, the Pittsburgh Steelers – Obviously, wide receiver could be a spot here to replace Antonio Brown, but who do you think they're going to take? Um, I am going to go back-to-back defensive backs. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Byron Murphy, uh, defensive back out of Washington. 
Um, a little bit more highly rated on some big boards. I think I have him at like 21 here. But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, the Steelers, Joe Hayden, uh, that guy that kept getting benched last year, they, they need defensive backs anyway. So, yeah, just, just throw them some D-backs. The Steelers love taking cornerbacks in the first round. It seems like they do it every year. And the thing is, is I think I think uh, Byron Murphy is like the perfect corner for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They love to run that kind of zone offense, uh, zone defense, which allows the corners to, you know, obviously peek into the backfield and make plays on the fo- football more. And Byron Murphy does that exceptionally well. He's able to make plays on the ball very well, has a really great ability to kind of see where the ball is going and, and be able to disrupt passes. And I think given the fact that for like the last five years in a row, the, the Steelers have lost to the Patriots in the playoffs because Brady has just picked that defense apart. Getting as many playmaking corners as you can on the field to try to disrupt him is, is the way to go. It's the way you're going to be able to make it further into the playoffs. Tell the Jags did it. I'm next with the uh, Seattle Seahawks picking number 21 overall. And my line is wide open because, God damn it, Tennessee Titans, Greedy Williams, I was all excited to have him fall into my lap. So I am happily waiting for any kind of phone call to come my way. Let's see if I can make a trade with myself really quickly. I hope you keep this in. <laughs> right. Please do not edit. Uh, Who did you pick, Jordan? Who did the Steelers take? Uh, Byron Murphy. Okay, thank you. Shit. Well, none of my teams can make a trade that I want to do. Um, I'm asking too high of a price for myself. <laughs> well, I'm trying to. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be. Uh, trying to be honest here, and I'm using the the trade value index. But neither I have the Saints and the Cowboys. Neither of whom, unless we want to give up a shit ton, can really trade back into here. Though the, the Saints are missing a second round pick, I think. Right? They have a second this year. They're missing a third. Anyways, I was just trying I'll, to. What's up? I'll, I'll give you the Packers thirtieth and a third round pick to move up. You'll which is pack, I don't know if that's a good value, but you will give me the thirtieth and a third round pick. Yeah, I'll take that trade. So the Packers for a their first round pick, the thirtieth overall, and their third round pick, which comes in at uh, seventy five, which is what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleventh in the third round. Uh, to trade up from 30 to 21 with the Seattle Seahawks. And who are the Packers going to take at 21? Look, I, I had to trade up because I don't trust you guys, and I know he was going to get drafted, and I really want him for the Packers at this point. Uh, it's Noah Fant, defense, or tight end out of Iowa. Um, I think he's a freak athlete, kind of akin to O.J. Howard. He's not quite as polished as his teammate T.J. Hawkinson, but – I don't think that matters. I think if they actually groom him and utilize him in the right way, then he'll be a stud. No offense. Uh, I'm perfectly happy with this trade. This is exactly who I wanted you to take at 12. But getting him at 21, trading up, I am all for that. Well done, Jordan. Slash well done me, really. Pat myself on the back for letting this happen. Even though I doubt the Packers would give up a third round pick because that's probably their favorite round. (laughs) Tends to be. But I'm in charge now. (laughs) But I'm leading the team now. All right. Well, then we go on to pick 22, Nicholas, the Baltimore Ravens. So they're going to stick with the uh, the speedy receiver prototype. Um, And although 
I, I might do things a little bit differently. I, I think that this is still an awesome pick. Um, they're going to take Marquise Hollywood Brown, a uh, little dude out of Oklahoma. He's 5'9 and in the mid-160s. But uh, the conversations that I've heard between Josh Norris and Evan Silva have sold me on him as a, as a special player. And it, it, it's helpful that he can. they're kind of sticking it to the Steelers, given that he's Antonio Brown's cousin. Um, but the kid can, the kid can play and he's very fast and the Ravens seem to prefer for whatever reason, um, sort of like role playing wide receivers rather than just trying to go after a game breaking one. And they tend to really prefer, uh, speedy guys, uh, like Steve Smith and, and Tory Smith, I guess maybe I should have picked someone with the last name of Smith, but anyway, Hollywood Brown. I like it, uh, with, Three picks to go until the Texans' wonderful pick. It's actually the the one I was looking forward to. I was hoping I wouldn't have to throw a fit and veto the trade uh, because if you picked my boy, I was going to be very upset. With no offensive line help available, the Texans are going to pick who's kind of the consensus number one running back in this class, and they're going to get Josh Jacobs to go with old Mr. Watson and Mr. Hopkins. Uh, Patty, when he, Patty Cooper, when he did his write up for, uh, Josh Jacobs, we have all of our, all the NFL big kind of name rookies coming into the league. We have, uh, profiles written up on them on fake each with breakdowns of their skill set as well as three teams we'd love for them to go to. Patty listed the Texans as Josh Jacobs number one place for him. And I absolutely love that. I think the Texans have waited, have spent enough time on Lamar Miller waiting for him to be that guy. Josh Jacobs gives them a legit runner between the tackles as well as a real active pass catcher, which is something that I feel like people aren't taking into consideration. I feel like in terms of, in terms of their evaluation on him or just maybe are underselling the damage that he could do in the passing game. So Clark, that's a huge, I love that get. I love it. So I am pick number 24 as the Oakland Raiders. And despite my best effort to unload this pick uh, to Clark and the Arizona Cardinals, I'm still sitting pretty with it after trading uh, Khalil Mack to the Bears for it. I am going to, because the Oakland Raiders, under my leadership as GM, had only 13 sacks last year. 13, one, three. I'm going to address our defensive line and try to get some guys who will be able to get after the quarterback. Uh, one guy who's been falling down the draft board, who I'm happily going to select here, uh, is Cleland Farrell, uh, pass rusher, I believe, out of Clemson, who I think will be able to bring, obviously, a lot to the Raiders and finally give them a, a help, at least, to build upon that 13 sacks that they recorded last year. So an easy pick for, for myself to make in Oakland. I think I'm pronouncing that name right. I have no idea how you pronounce C-L-E-L-I-N. I figured it was just like Cleveland, but without the D. Well, if you'd like to correct you, you can come on the pod. I'd love to have you. Yeah, Cleveland. If you want to you come on and talk about how to pr- appropriately pronounce your name, we'll welcome you on. Why not? He's, uh, also, he's massive. Like He's yeah. a big edge guy. Yeah, he's a big guy. And I think he he's going to too many of. He, he's going to be nice. Number 25, Jordan, the Philadelphia Eagles. What are they doing? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> it, it's getting to that part of the draft where you got a team like the Eagles where they can start looking more towards need. Um, generally, I like to stay with best player available and you just draft whoever you think is the most talented and figure it all the rest out later. So with that being said, I am just going to load up and, you know, get the Eagles another weapon. Let's go with 
Yeah, let's go with A.J. Brown, the other other receiver out of Mississippi. Um, because he is a good God damn it, Jordan. wide receiver. And I don't think you can have too many just good wide receivers. Alshon Jeffries a pretty good all-around guy. Uh, but Nelson Aguilar is really only good at doing, like, the slot thing. Um, so, yeah, give give Philly another weapon. Give Carson Wentz another weapon and uh, let the ball fly around the yard. I'm really so, upset right now. A.J. Brown, a nice, like, Madden-esque amalgamation of uh, existing names. Really like that one. <laughs> I like that he he's really good after the catch, which is something that I think you need in, in Philadelphia. Um, I heard uh, Danny Kelly, my boy, uh, compare him to Golden Tate, who they had last year. So I think that's actually a pretty good um, comparison because they're both pretty stoutly built guys. Yeah. I'm really upset. I wanted him to fall to the Patriots at 32. That is my dream scenario. So Jordan, you can go I, die in a hole. My dream scenario is to ruin the Patriots draft. Doing a great job so far. Uh, Nicholas pick 26, the Indianapolis Colts building upon their wildly successful draft last year. Uh, what are they going to do? So I'm really torn on this one, but I'm going to go with who I want in my heart of hearts. And that is Hakeem Butler, uh, receiver out of Iowa state. The dude, he's six, five, uh, in the high two twenties. His, I don't have his, his, uh, wingspan in front of me, but it's preposterous. I think it's like, it's an airplane. Six, yeah. It's, um, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's absurd. I think it's the, the, the widest, uh, wingspan of any pass catcher in the class. Um, the dude has the, that, that like prototype X wide receiver that a lot of teams, uh, you know, chase after, like he's, he's built like a Julio. He's, he's built like a, a game breaking number one receiver. And I think the, uh, the Funches rental this year, uh, will, will be, will be fun. But outside of Funches and, and T Y Hilton, their receiver core is, is pretty shaky. Um, bring him in and you have a, a number one that can sort of develop with T Y Hilton and together. I think those guys can just kind of continue to wreck defenses. I absolutely love this pick. If Hakeem Butler goes to the Colts, I will overdraft him in every league that I am in. I think Hakeem Butler is the wide receiver prospect that nobody's talking about that everybody should be talking about very soon. 100% agree. All right, pick 27, Oakland Raiders, because they have 7 billion picks, this time for trading Amari Cooper away to the Cowboys. Uh, We are going to address our secondary here and get DeAndre Baker, who, while is an undersized corner, slightly, I think he's like 5'10", he does pretty much everything else extremely well uh, to be an outside corner. And so I think you're just going to plug him in. He's going to give you a, a potential shutdown corner on the outside in a couple of years. Yeah, I like the addition to the secondary because Oakland, for whatever reason, that's just one unit they cannot figure out. Keep throwing bodies out there and see what sticks. Yeah, exactly. Los Angeles Chargers and their brand new baby blues. Nicholas, who are they taking at 28? So this is one that I was uh, toying with for the Colts because I think he can he can basically help any any defensive line. Um, and I, as I understand it, he's a little bit controversial, but I'm going uh, Jerry Tillery. Uh, he's a big-bodied interior defensive lineman, and that's kind of perfect for it, it's perfect for any team but i think that he can uh immediately make an impact in the like already potent la chargers front seven 
And, uh, you know, having all those other talented guys around him is just going to make his ability to go to work a lot easier and sort of ease the transition into the pros. Um, I, I have his, his size in front of me now. He's six foot six, 295 pounds, um, and a, a pretty decent athlete as well. He's going to be, he's going to help uh, solidify their run defense, which is something that they severely needed uh, last year. Pick number 29, Kansas City Chiefs. Clark, uh, who are you taking? I hate to make this pick based on <laughs> what I like to do in Madden. And instead, I'm going to do it based on an incredible offense, one of the most uh, versatile offenses that we ever saw before a really horrible chapter in the NFL. I'm going to have the Chiefs take Irv Smith tight end out of Alabama to run two tight end sets with Pat Mahomes, the fastest wide receiver in the NFL, and anyone playing running back. Uh, That seems like that'd be real fun to see Andy Reid play with. I'm so glad it traded up for the Packers to get a tight end. (laughs) I've just heard a lot of people who know a lot about drafts say that Irv Smith is kind of a sneaky, just very good player. And I think when you're picking 29th, you just want a guy that's going to start for you for five years. I think that works. Uh, at number 30, the Seattle Seahawks, we moved down to switch with the aforementioned Green Bay Packers who went up to get Noah Fant. Uh, we could go a couple of different directions here, but I think we're going to go a little bit controversial uh, because we're the Seahawks and because I'm Pete Carroll and I love the attention focused on me. Uh, we're going to take Jeffrey Simmons, who – could have easily gone in the top five as a defensive lineman uh, if he had been healthy, but he tore his ACL during the pre-draft process. So he's going to take, you know, a couple, a year at least to, or maybe a little bit, eight months to fully recover from that. He also has a history of violence, which he would need to figure out and kind of, you know, not do. But if he does come back healthy, keeps his nose out of trouble, we now have a extremely disruptive guy on this defensive line who we can plug in maybe end of next year or at the very least uh, in 2021 season. And we don't need him right now. Uh, so I think that's this is a pick we're going to make for uh, for the future. Who's that, Jeffrey Simmons? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a, a solid future pick. Jeffrey Simmons could be a top 15 talent, but because of all of his baggage – could fall yeah I mean, and, and rightfully I, I don't no tear shed so right no especially with the i mean physically the acl tear will have people worried i think they will that will worry teams much more and cause his fall much more than the history of violence but the history of violence is is much more upsetting uh pick 31 los angeles rams jordan who are the runners up to the super bowl taken um i had a player in mind but I just have to check something real quick just to make sure that uh, this is the right choice overall. We have to check our pipeline to the future. I hope the listeners will give us a moment here. Quickly. Yeah, you know, I'm confident this is the right pick. And I think when he is drafted at this spot on draft night, people are going to be like, God damn it. How did we let him fall all the way to Sean McVay? Um, It's going to be Dalton Rissner out of Kansas State. Another offensive tackle, guys. Uh, Loving that offensive line. I think um, this is kind of a good insurance policy because Andrew Whitworth isn't getting any younger. Um, He can slot in and probably start right away at a guard position if they need him to. They lost Roger Saffold in free agency. And, um, yeah, Jared Goff needs as much protection as possible um, because he is best when the resources around him are better than he is talent wise if that makes sense so um 
yeah, just uh, just slot it in, instant starter. It seems like there's a whole lot of questions up in the air about this draft. And, and from about 20 down, all of my picks, I'm like, can I trade out of here to a crappy team <laughs> or like a third this year in their first next year? Because there are just a lot of guys that are, are probably just going to be pretty good. And I think this is where the the Patriots get like four more picks in the top three rounds by moving out of 32. So, you know it. I can't wait for draft night, guys. It's going to be so much fun this year. People have no idea what's going to happen. So much fun. I really hope I, – well, before we get into it, quickly, 32 New England Patriots. I'm pissed that uh, that goddamn Jordan took A.J. Brown as the Eagles at pick 25 because I would have loved him in New England. Instead, we're going to go defensive line. Dexter Lawrence, uh, who's still available. We need to start replacing the defensive line that lost Trey Flowers and Malcolm Brown in free agency. He'll come in and be a dominant run stuffer from day one and then be able to slowly develop his pass rushing game, uh, and I really like his fit. But – to the creator story at hand, I really hope that Kyler Murray doesn't go first overall. Or if he does, that they trade Josh Rosen on draft night. I just want maximum chaos to occur. And I think this is a draft where because there are so much – there's such a depth of talent at defensive line, which is something that every team is actively trying to get. You can never get too much of that. There are a couple of really exciting wide receiver tight end prospects who teams could – Bite way too high on. There's no clear cut court number one quarterback who's a can't miss prospect. So I could see either them dropping and then teams leapfrogging to try to get them. I just think there could be a lot of movement in like the top 15 pick, which always leads to players falling and just exciting shit going down, which I'm 100% here for. As um as accurate as our mock draft is, I think it's even more accurate so that we only have two quarterbacks going in the first round because that's the way. It should play out, not necessarily will play out, because somebody's going to draft like Drew Locke or mm-hmm. something at a dumb Whoop. position because they're dumb. But I, I don't think there's <laughs> anybody worth a first round pick other than um, Murray and Haskins. And you're better off waiting next year if you need a quarterback because next year's draft class is already better. I've uh, I've seen some stuff about Daniel Jones going at six to the Giants, I, I, which I, is just such fucking hilarious. stupid. Well, so yeah, it might happen. I don't think Dave Gettleman's ever going to draft a quarterback in the first round. He's made up his mind. He's and now people are pushing him. So it's like, well, I was thinking about it, but now everybody's being such jerks. Fine, <laughs> fine. So, so you want Eli? You're getting Eli. It'd be great when Josh Jacobs goes at number six, <laughs> and Eli like, retires. I am zagging so hard right now. <laughs> You say don't take a running back in the top five. What if I take two running backs? Thunder and lightning, man. Works for me down in Carolina. Who says no? Oh, my God, you guys. (laughs) I think our 100% correct NFL draft might be wrong at pick number six. I think we really missed missed a a key point right there. Um, All right. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. This this could be a very – the NFL draft, I also want to say, doesn't the NFL draft – it's like two weeks away which I believe is the same weekend as the Battle of Winterfell, which is supposed to be like the longest and biggest battle in game in like TV slash movie history. And isn't and Avengers Endgame coming out that weekend too? I have tickets to Endgame already, and I didn't even think about day two of the draft. Like, I'm just glad day one is already. I mean, yeah, once day one passed, it's like, just that weekend is going to be chaos. absolute chaos. 
They're not as excited as we are. I am excited for the chaos. <laughs> no, seriously, come on, you guys. I'm glad you guys are excited about <laughs> Avengers. That's great to yeah. have things. But Clark, you have you you have you have the biggest battle in, in television history. So I I feel like battles in movies aren't better if they're longer. Like, I don't think that's what I've been like, oh, you know, it was really good at Braveheart, that one scene. But if it could have been 35 minutes longer, <laughs> then now we're talking. Would have been better. I was a little disappointed I, in Game of Thrones this week. Also, I do believe I right. used I'm a larger up. budget than Helm's Deep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for, those, for those who maybe didn't hear Nick, as soon as we started talking Game of Thrones, of which he hasn't seen yet, he immediately signed off. I'm ready for more Game of Thrones. I'm so ready for. Ooh, Jordan, is that a hand of the king? Damn right. This is for my man Davos. Damn Jeff Davos. I just think I just think the Battle of the Bastards was incredible to watch, and I if they're building upon that to make it an even greater battle for Battle of Winterfell, I'm 100 here for that. Some fantasy football follow I have said something about. No one realizing that Game of Thrones jumped the shark last year, and I cannot get it out of my head now. And I'm really hoping that episode two is better than I think it will be last week, but I could be wrong. But I hope it will be. My hope is that they went back to the basics because episode one felt like a pretty vintage Game of Thrones episode. There was, uh, there was a bloody child pinned to a wall. There was some sex. There was some funny commentary just between two people which is what the show is all about it's just when two people are having great dialogue and I, I think that's what they reverted to in that first episode so hopefully they took this time uh since we haven't had game of thrones since 2016 Jesus, 2017 i should say um that they just they studied the game tape they went yeah. back and they're like what worked for the show what didn't and yeah yeah, no, that makes sense. I I feel like to me it's kind of the feeling of what um The Force Awakens was for as like a hey, we can make a classic Star Wars movie, trust us for going forward. Then Last Jedi came out, which was lukewarm, uh, but I'm very excited for the rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um but Last Jedi was phenomenal, don't even okay. Maybe I need to see it again. I just rewatched Rogue One again, which is maybe my favorite movie of the last decade. When I went to go see Rogue One, there's the scene where the Imperial uh, alarm goes off and it sounds like Beaker screaming. (laughs) And I lost it in the theater. The only person laughing could not be controlled. Very embarrassing for everyone around me. It was was wonderful. Uh, That's stupendous. All right. Well, let's wrap this show up because this thing is 7 billion years long. Uh, And let's see if we can get Nick back on to sign off. That's okay. We don't have to wait. I want to sign off too. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. 100% correct draft, little Game of Thrones talk, all kinds of NFL news. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk even more NFL draft. We'll probably get our beer bets in and make some broad and bold predictions right before the draft starts. Since it starts Thursday night, Friday night, Friday night. I don't know. One of those nights. Uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Fate Teens is what we're under. It's the Fate Teens podcast channel. Leave us five stars and a review. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and I believe we're on Spotify now. So go check us out there. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Peter and Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nick, who bounced off before he could hear any spoilers about what 
happened in a pretty mundane episode of Game of Thrones, so it seems like a little bit of an overreaction. At Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We'll be back at you guys next week, and uh...